Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Responding to God's Discipline, Joshua 7, 6-9. Does anybody like to be disciplined? Anybody, you know, I'm just thinking, you know. Okay, remember that. Where's Brian and Patty? I saw a hand go up. No, but we don't like to be disciplined, right? Nobody likes to be disciplined. Uh, I remember being younger and, you know, getting spanked, you know, and, and you know, we would do anything to get out of that, that discipline, you know. The, the, we'd lie, we'd hide, you know. My dad told the story of putting books in their pants and hurting their dad's hand, grandpa's hand. Uh, everybody reacts differently to discipline. Some cry before you even discipline them. You know, that, that was my trick. You know, cry, I already feel it. You know, lessen the discipline. Uh, or some get mad. They just take it, you know, quiet and you can see the anger. That's not a good thing. Uh, some are quiet in a good way. They just accept the discipline quietly. That's probably the best thing. God also disciplines. God also disciplines. He uses, in the Bible, it says he uses trials. He uses hardships. He uses health challenges, you know, sickness, and he also uses temptation to discipline us. And there's many different reasons in the Bible, we've been talking about this last month or so, many different reasons why God disciplines us. Sometimes there's sin in our life, there's something in our life that goes against what God's word says and it goes, goes against his will for our life, so he uses discipline to, to get us to face that and, and to get it out of our life. Sometimes it's because of an attitude adjustment, not necessarily sin, but just God's trying to change our attitude in some way. And so he uses discipline. Other times there's nothing we're doing wrong at all. He just wants to grow us. Remember, what's my PJ and no pain, no gain? Remember that? Not too long ago, if you weren't here for those, go back and listen to those. But sometimes he's just trying to grow us spiritually, so he uses some kind of discipline in our life to grow us. It's kind of like if you're teaching your kid baseball. And you're pitching the ball to them. And when they're little, you know, the little t-ball, you, you throw it underhand. And then they get a little bigger and you start to throw it soft toss. And, and then after they can hit that, what do you do? You throw it a little harder. And as soon as they can hit that, you throw it a little harder. And you just make it harder each step. Same thing with, with math. I'll use a, academics. Uh, if your child is going to school and they... they handle the math class for whatever whatever they're called out. Let's say it's algebra. They can handle algebra. Well, what do they do? They push them to the next level. And it used to be geometry. Did they even have geometry anymore? They push them to geometry. And then it was trigonometry. I probably used speaking a foreign language to most of you. But remember that? They used to push. But that's what they do in math. They push you to another level and to another level. They don't just like say, okay, good. You can, you can count and you can... Divide and you can do the times table. You're done. No, they push you to another level. They, and that's and we want our kids to be pushed to another level. We want them to get, reach their potential. And God does the same thing spiritually. He pushes us to the next level, and that's what He's doing. Now, just as kids, those with kids know what I'm talking about. Just as kids can respond either in a positive or a negative way, we can also respond in a positive. Or negative way to God's discipline in our life. And we have an example here in Joshua chapter 7. We have an example of both responses to God's discipline. Now if you weren't here the last, for the last 
Joshua 6 and going into Joshua 7, we saw that the Israelites are coming into the promised land. It's a picture of our spiritual battle. It's a physical picture of us, our spiritual battle today. But we saw what happened with them. They went in and everything's going great. They cross the Jordan River. It opens up miraculously. The walls of Jericho come crashing down. Uh, everything's going super. But then after they had the victory... They got into the flesh mode. He's like, oh, this is easy. I can do this on my own. I don't need God anymore. They got into the flesh mode, and sin crept in. Sin crept in, and after that happened, God sent defeat. They were disciplined by God. Let's pray before we get back into the word here. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for bringing many of us through hardships and struggles and disciplines. Lord, we pray that you would show us through your word preparing us for communion with you, not just this morning, but continual communion with you. You would show us through your word what you're trying to do in our lives. We pray this through your mercy and grace and through your Holy Spirit's power in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Joshua, if you weren't here last week, last time we talked about the danger of success. I'll read the first five verses before we get into the, the passage. Joshua 7, verse 1 But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and he told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary all the people, for only a few men are there. So about three thousand men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Remember that? From last time, okay? Now, there's an insert in the bulletin, so you can kind of follow along and have this for, for later on to go a little deeper. But we're going to look at verses 6 to 9 today, where it says, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan? to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us. If only we had been content to stand the other side of the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out your name, our name, from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? So, this is the sad part. Verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. So he falls on his face. The response to God's discipline is he and the elders, they fall on their face, they tear their clothes, they throw dust on their heads. This is, if you know anything about the history, historically, and the culture of this time, that's how they showed great grief. They would tear their clothes, throw dirt on their heads. And this is what they did. And it said they did that until evening. Now, they're right before the ark, and they did this till evening. What happened in the evening at the ark? Anybody know? 
Numbers 29, 38 to 39 is when the lamb was sacrificed. That was when the lamb was sacrificed. That's when mercy was reached. And they did it until the lamb was sacrificed. That's why it's mentioned here. And that's when he found God's mercy. And this is a good start. It's a good start. If they had spent time on their face before the ark seeking God, before they went to Ai, they wouldn't have had an Ai, would they? They would have been able to take it because they would have been listening to God. But remember, they got into the flesh. If, if we spend more time on our face up front, we'll spend a lot less time after. But they hadn't consulted the ark, just like we do the same thing, don't we? A lot of times we charge ahead in our own plans. God disciplines us. Then we're like, God, what am I going to do? But we should have been like that before, right? Before we got into the mess we were in. And notice, too, it's a good start here because... They're spending time before the ark. They're praying now. But they also didn't blame the soldiers. They didn't blame the generals. They didn't try to spin this politically. You know? They didn't try to do that. They recognized something. They recognized that God was unhappy with them. When things go wrong, we have to really take a look at our life and, and take a close look and discern. And in order to discern, we have to be on our face. We have to be praying. This happens in prayer that we can discern what is God trying to say. Maybe there's sin in our life. Maybe God's trying to expose something in our life, a wrong attitude or some sin in our life. Maybe it's hidden in the church. We're allowing sin in some way, and God's trying to expose that. Sometimes it has nothing to do with sin. There's nothing that God wants us to get rid of. It's because God's trying to grow us. He's trying to grow us by putting us in a trial or hardship. Remember we talked about that in James 1, 2-4? What's my pure joy, my PJ? And God often sends that, that, per, that pure joy, that PJ, that struggle into our life to grow us up. And we can only figure this out if we're in prayer before God and, and discerning through prayer. What is God trying to do in my life? Maybe you're here today and you're experiencing God's discipline. We all experience that on a regular basis, don't we? Maybe your life, you've hit a wall in some way. Maybe there's some... God's showing you a sin that needs to be repented of. Maybe he's showing us an attitude that's wrong that he wants to adjust in our life. Maybe he's stretching us in some way. He's just trying to, to stretch us. It could happen to a church. Churches, we, we hit the wall and we say, God, what are you trying to, to say to us? What are you trying to, to do? It happens to the church in America. The church in America has been stuck for a long time. Why? Well, it doesn't take much. You turn on the TV and you watch what's being preach the garbage that's preached not all but 90 percent of them they teach this this materialistic fake christianity it's a false teaching send us money and you're going to be okay right and uh, it, 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 but also the sin the, the church in america has accepted so many things we become like the frog and the, the boiling water, right? We've accepted so many things that our society says is okay, but God's word is clear that there's sin, very serious sins. But we've just allowed this to, to, into, our, into the church, and, and it's going to take God's discipline. It's gonna, it might even take persecution at this point to clean up the church in America. The, the U.S., and if the church doesn't clean up, the country's not going to clean up. This country is in serious, serious trouble. Serious trouble. We're facing, I believe, revival or judgment. And it has to start with the church responding. The church responding. Now, back to Joshua. Joshua started out well. He's at before his face. He's grieving. He's seeking what's going on. But then 
he takes, it takes a turn for the worse. He started out in a good place spiritually, but it takes a turn for the worse. In verse 7, we see that he loses it. After all this prayer, and it says, And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Unbelievable. They weren't supposed to stay on the other side of the Jordan. They were supposed to cross. They were commanded to cross it because they crossed into the promised land, right? But this is what happens. This is what happens. This downward spiral all started when what? They didn't consult the ark. Remember? They'd been consulting the ark of the covenant and the priests and they were seeking God. And then they, get, they take Jericho and it was so easy. They didn't have to do anything. It just fell down. So they shift into the flesh mode, right? They shift into the flesh mode and they're in flesh and then everything goes wrong. And it all started because they didn't consult the ark. And when we don't consult God, we don't consult Jesus, which ark is a picture of the work of Christ. When we don't con- con- seek him on something, sin creeps in. The flesh creeps in, our faith wavers, then we get mad and we end up blaming God. And it's not even what he said to do. (laughs) Can anybody relate to this? Kind of convicting, isn't it? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And it all started when our fellowship gets broken. Just like with them. When our fellowship is broken, we're not in prayer and we let sin creeping into our life and our our communion is broken and God is so patient here he is we mess up we sin we mess up we lose it and he just listens patiently you would think he would like squash Joshua right there right you know but he he's just patient he just waits till we get done throwing our temper tantrum our spiritual temper tantrum just like we do a little baby right let them throw their tantrum they get tired and you know he just lets us do that because he, he just listens patiently. We all lose it. When we're facing a crisis, we all lose it. It's all over the Bible. Job faced a serious crisis. He, he lost it. God just waited till he burned it out. Abraham, what did he do? He lied. Twice, twice he, he, he crashes. Elijah, fire from heaven. Everything's going great. Jezebel, this one woman, he kills 400 prophets of Baal. One woman, Jezebel, says, I'm going to get you. And he, he runs for his life. He lost it. He ends up out in the wilderness. Kill me, God, kill me. God just listened patiently. David kills the giant. Everything's going his way. He gets scared. He fakes insanity to get out of a, a tight spot, right? Among many other things he did. Uh, you know, we're all spiritual yo-yos. Aren't we? We're all spiritual yo-yos, and God understands. But the key is this. Don't stay there. We all lose it. We all get upset. We all vent on God. He can handle it. But just don't stay there. That's the danger. When we stay in that place is the danger. Joshua came around. We have to work through it. We have to get on our face before God. We've got to pray and we've got to work through it every day. We've got to work through it. I took another long prayer walk this morning. I almost didn't get up. I was tired. No, I've got to get up. I had to work through some things spiritually. We've got to work every day. We've got to work through it. And look, Joshua came around. Verse, look at verses 8 and 9, what he says. After his whining and temper tantrum, he says, O Lord... What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? 
the Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth, what then will you do for your own great name? He came around. It was no longer, why did you let this happen? But he shifted to, don't let my mess make you look bad. See what he shifted to? He shifted to worrying about God's glory. And that's a good way to pray. Worrying about God's glory. Why, God? Humbly asking, what are you trying to do? What, humbly, humbly asking what you're trying to do. Are you trying to expose my sin or wrong attitude? And if that's what he's trying to do, search me, O oh God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. You know how David prayed. If that's what he's trying to do, then we have to mourn that and we have to repent of that. We have to say, God, is that what you're trying to get to? And if that's the case, we have to repent and, 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 and turn away from that and let God do his work. Or as we're praying, we realize it's not that, but God's trying to refine me. Nothing wrong, but he's trying to refine. He's trying to refine my faith. He's trying to burn out even good things out of my life to get to the gold in my life. Remember, we talked about that several weeks ago. And if that's the case, what do we have to do? We have to endure it. If he's burning something out of life, we have to endure what he's putting us through. Or Joshua 1, 2-4, remember? Maybe he's trying to grow our faith. He's trying to mature us and complete us. Romans 5, 3 to 5. Remember, no pain, no gain. He's trying to grow. Maybe there's not sin that he's dealing with. Maybe it's not refining, but maybe he's just trying to stretch me. He's trying to grow me up some way. And if that's the case, what do we got to do? Pure joy. We have to face it with joy. With joy. In fact, Romans 12, 13 is a great verse. If you don't have this one memorized... Put it on the top of your list. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That is a great verse. Be joyful in hope. Remember pure joy? Be patient in affliction. Be faithful in prayer. That, that, that has to be our, our perspective as we're going through this. And as we come to communion here, as we're preparing for communion here, and talking about discipline, this is a big part of communion, is examining ourselves, as we'll see in a minute. It, it's hard to get spanked, isn't it? It's hard to be disciplined in some way. As an individual, as a church, as a country, but God knows what we need. God knows what we need. He knows what he needs to do in our life. In Hebrews 12, 5, it says this, And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. Understand that? Hardship is discipline. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? It's hard to be disciplined. But God God loves us and he's going to discipline us. Same thing with our kids. When we discipline our kids, why do we do that? Because we love them. And any parent who doesn't discipline their kid 
doesn't really love them. I remember Ryan, and when he went to college and rebelled, really rebelled. And I remember saying to him, Ryan, I'm disciplining you to get your attention because I'm trying to help you. And I remember he just kept re refusing and refusing. And I remember saying to him, Ryan, you can either respond to my discipline or you're going to have to face God's discipline. And, and he, he is, God is way more intense. <laughs> he will whisper to us. Remember the, in the storm, the whisper? Then he will spank us. And then he will finally, if we don't respond, he will break us. He'll break us. And I remember having these conversations with Ryan. And I, I remember finally saying, Ryan, I'm turning you over to God now. Because your life has gone to such a place that you are now beyond my discipline. And I'm putting you into God's hands now. I've done all I can do as a dad, but you're an adult now, and this is when he's 21 or something. I find you're, you're in God's hands now. He, he will discipline you. You're his son. You gave your life to him, and he's going to discipline. And I remember through the years seeing that happen. I remember being at the hospital with Ryan a couple years ago, and I said, Ryan, what, you know, what more does God have to do to get your attention? Some rough things that happened to him. And then I remember even a year ago, he was hit by a car. Should have been killed. Hit by a car. Remember Kim rushing to the hospital, and he should have been dead. How many people survived getting hit by a car, right? But he, he survived. He was banged up. And, and I remember talking to him, and I said, Ryan, what more does God have to do? You've been hit by a car. And you survived it. You should be dead. What more does God have to do? And, and I'll never forget, he said, I'm very stubborn, Dad. I said, oh, I know. I've raised you. Isn't it all of us? God whispers, and then he spanks, and then he breaks us. Isn't it all of us? How are we being disciplined? Will we respond? Will we respond to the whisper? That's the best time. Or will it take a spanking? A more severe spanking? Or will it take something very severe, a breaking? Will we respond to God's discipline? How are we responding? It's so important. What's our attitude? What's our spirit? Psalm 119.71, David said, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. It was good. It was good that you afflicted me. Anybody feel that when you're <laughs> being afflicted? But David got it. It was good for me. Because your word came alive. I really understood what you were trying to say to me through your word. God must separate us from the world. He must take the world out of us. Just as he's taken us out of the world, he has to take the world out of us. He has to separate us so that we won't be judged with the world. In fact, in 1 Peter 4, 16 and 17, he says, 
and I believe we're hitting this time in this, this planet, Earth. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. Get that? It is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome? What will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? God will discipline. God will judge his church. He will deal with it so that we won't be judged with the world. He's, he's doing that now. And that's what communion is all about. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says this. Listen to, listen to the whole communion passage and connect these dots here. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's usually where churches stop. But read the next couple verses. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will be not be condemned with the world. Communion is a time of cleansing. It's a time of self-examination. <clears throat> it's a time of restoring fellowship with God and with other believers. And if we take it seriously, we will avoid the AIs in our lives. Just as Jericho was followed by an AI, we can avoid the AIs in our life if we take communion seriously. How is God speaking to us? As Christians, will we respond to God's discipline? Why? So that we can have a closer communion. Not just here this morning, but it's, it's the daily communion that he wants. Will we, will we respond to the discipline, whatever sin, whatever wrong attitude, whatever he's trying to stretch in our life? Will we respond so that we can be even closer to God? Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet and you can't commune yet. You've never connected, but you can become a child of God. You can become a child of God right now. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's why he sent his son Jesus. To save us. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? In just a moment we're going to take communion. 
What it is, as we've already read it, it represents, we do it in remembrance. We're remembering what Jesus did for us. And the bread represents the body of Christ. The cup represents the blood of Christ that he gave for us. And we're remembering that. How we take it, we just, we just have some, uh, some music. We're going to have a song played this morning. And you just come up when you're ready and, and take the cup and, the, and the, the bread. You can take it by yourself. You can take it with your family. You can take it with someone. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's, the key is to commune with God through this time. There's two reasons why we shouldn't take it here. As we already read, one is if we're not a Christian yet. If we can't recognize the body of Christ because we're not a Christian yet, we shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. The second thing is if there's some sin in our life, God's disciplining you. As we just read that too, there's something in our life that we say, God, you can't have it. Now, notice I didn't say we, don't, we sin because we all sin. Nobody could take it. But if, if God's showed us that sin and we won't repent of it, then we shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. But I hope that everyone here during this communion time surrenders whatever God wants us to surrender and communes with God in a special way and takes the communion. And if you've never put your faith in Christ, I pray that today, this morning, you take that step of faith and can commune with God, not just this morning, but, but any time. Let's pray. As we go to this time of communion, how is God speaking to us? Is there something in our life that's sin? Is there something in our life that needs to be repented of? Is there something that needs to be changed in our life? Or maybe God is using hardship or temptation or struggles to grow us spiritually. Because he wants us to be even a deeper communion with him. Will we take this time to surrender to him? And while we're praying, preparing for communion, maybe you're here today and you realize you're not a child of God yet. You're not facing discipline, you're facing judgment because of that. But God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can put your faith in Jesus Right now, give your life to him and become a child of God. And when you take that step of faith, you can commune with God, talk to God anytime, anywhere about anything. But it starts with a prayer of faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You can put your faith in Jesus right now. It's a prayer from your heart to God's heart. It's not a ritual. It's not a religious rite. You don't need any religious person to help you do it. It's between you and God. Just say, God, I put my faith in Jesus.
I believe he died on the cross and gave his body and blood for me, for my sin. I put my faith in Jesus. To forgive my sin. Everything that comes between me and you, God. Forgive me because I'm repenting of my sin. I repent of that old life. I don't want it anymore. I give you my life, God. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, something powerful and amazing has happened. You have become a child of God. The Holy Spirit has come into you and made you a new person and your life will never be the same you're in for a shock it will never be the same because God's spirit will be speaking to you and he wants God wants you to talk to him now he wants a close relationship with you and he wants you to get to know him through his word I want to encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer of faith, to let somebody know. Maybe you're here with family or a friend. or Tell me. Tell somebody here. Fill out the card. Email me. Text me. Let somebody know so that we could be excited. We will be so excited and we'll be able to encourage you in your new life in Christ. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a special way as we commune with you this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name.